bandas are super, super cool things. And I first learned about them uh, when I was uh, starting my Ashtanga practice uh, as a wee little girl. But it was a great way to figure out how to engage and allow us to kind of tap into our subtle energy. So I, I always like asking, as you all know, or some of you who are just meeting me maybe for the first time, I always like asking at the beginning of class kind of like what you think the tech is about, right? Um, to hear, I don't know what it is, or to hear what you think it might be, or to hear that it's a name of a rock band, or a name of a really good glass of Merlot. Um, but uh, it's always interesting to come to a practice kind of not knowing because then you get to explore deeper and be able to tap into something that you might already have within but not um, have any idea of how to engage or participate in the action of creating the bandhas. Uh, if you do kind of know what it is, it becomes like that elusive love affair that you see in movies where it looks so perfect and everything works out really well and it's always fantastic all the time. But then when you really get to the mat, sometimes it sucks and it's like a big explosion and it's not anything that you think it's gonna be about. And other times it's magical and wonderful and there's fireworks and you think that you have found the, um, you know, the dream. Uh, so today we're going to play around with our subtle energy and learn all about um, how to control it and use our breath to create space. Uh, I gave you three different handouts. One is a two-sider, one is a, uh, uh, just about the Ashtanga sequence or the Ashtanga practice. Um, I always think that when you practice yoga, that is the best way to really feel the bandhas and to feel the deep diaphragmatic breath starting to uh, kind of tune in to you and to your life. Uh, and then there's a handout um, that doesn't have stick figures on it that is all about how to tap into the incredible amount of powder, power in our bodies and our incredible human machines. Uh, and that's what we're gonna spend most of our time on today. We're gonna play some little physical games with our bodies to feel the bandhas, to feel um, these little internal body locks. But we're gonna go through each one separately and then we are going to kind of do an exercise at the end where it's a visualization. Does that sound good? Mm. As I had mentioned before, I found um, my bandhas or I found the engagement of uh, bandhas during um, Ashtanga, which was one of the first practices that I ever started as a teenager. But I think it is really kind of like a love affair of um, finding the balance of opposites. And it definitely isn't going to be something that today you might not even feel, but next week you might totally feel when you start doing some of these um, exercise or physical practices. How many of you have ever, uh, uh, just done deep breathing exercises or kriyas where you're just specifically working to move the, 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 the diaphragm in your body. Have you ever played around with these before? Mm -hmm. 
kind of is, is interesting, right? Triggers a lot of different releases, different responses. And um, so for those of you who have never tried all of this stuff, this might be a really fun class and it might be really interesting and engaging uh, and or you might like not like it at all. So I'll just put it right out there. Anybody just have a big lunch? Yeah, that's good. Uh, you're going to have to get one of the copies from one of your friends. So you're going to have to go to the copy machine. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, breathing is a really interesting thing, especially with the bandas, because um, how many of you ever get stressed out? <sighs> right? How many of you ever um, get frustrated with someone or something? How many of you ever um, snore? Right? So sleep apnea, frustration, stress, all of that stuff creates um, an opportunity for our body to stop breathing. Um, and uh, we hold on, right? And we kind of constrict. And um, that's the exact opposite of what we want to do when we tap into our bandhas. We want to have freedom. We want to be almost like uh, very resilient in our experiences. We want to really create space and freedom. When you see the top of our front page, and it says that uh, the Sanskrit word for bandhas, the definition of bandhas is body lock or seal or to bind. And they are the interior locks of your yoga body. And they're energy, pure energy. Uh, so when we're going about our days and we get frustrated or we are sleeping and we start to snore and have like sleep apnea, what happens is that we're not tapping into that energy and letting it flow freely, but we're actually restricting it. Um, when we come to the mat and really start to work on tapping into the bandhas and we allow our subtle energy to flow, life becomes effortless. That effortless effort. And that's what we're going to try and work towards today. Uh, breathing creates the bandhas. <coughs> also, people who are athletes are really easy with bandhas. How many of you uh, were professional athletes? No? How many of you uh, did sports in high school? How many of you like ran track or did gymnastics or... How many of you can break into a sweat when you start working out? Oh, see? So you probably already use the bandhas because people who are high-performance athletes and, and people who are practitioner of like day-to-day um, -day workout or training things, it's really easy for them to do this without even knowing about it. Cool. Uh, so today, we're going to learn how to remain relaxed and calm at all times as we allow our subtle energy to flow. I'm just reading some of the bullet points out loud to you. The cool thing, I think, about the uh, inhales and the exhales or the dance of the opposites of the energy flow that you create when you're using the bandhas is that you're kind of tapping into your pure potentiality. Have you ever heard that you have enough energy in your body to power a nuclear bomb? We do. 
We have so much energy and we just don't really know how to tap into it. We don't really know how to kind of um, get into that spark. And all of the little flowing rivers of energy in your body, which are called nadis, flow freely. And these 72,000 meridian lines of energy that move through your body allow you to almost become effervescent or bright or light up like a Christmas tree. So have you ever seen someone who just has that glow? Seen someone who just like, mm, you're like, I want whatever they have, or they have almost like an aura, right? Whether it was Jesus or Buddha or any spiritual or enlightened person, they are often drawn with a little bit of a halo, right? Yeah, well, that's what happens when you tap into this incredible power of the breath or the bondness, this dance of the opposites. Because all you're doing is harnessing the pure potentiality of your energy and you're allowing yourself to glow and to shine. How many of you have ever done like a 40 days of yoga in a row? Yeah? What happens, Steph? Um, not happy. Yeah, you're super happy, right? <laughs> You find contentment and ease and everything just kind of like flows nicely. Um, did you notice that you kind of started eating a little bit cleaner? You sleeping better. Yeah, sleeping better and also not even needing to sleep as much because you had so much energy. And things just kind of started flowing very mindfully. And that's kind of the whole process of when you tap into the yoga, when you tap into the concept of the harmony and the unity of everything that you're doing on the mat, then that harmony and that unity creates balance because you're allowing your breath to keep you at an even keel, right? As yogis, we always talk about um, equanimity or we talk about balance or we talk about harmony or ease or tapping into your bliss, right? Well, the moment-to-moment -moment awareness of our breath practice is what bondus is all about. It's really, really, really not that hard. Athletes can condition themselves to find their bondus a little bit easier. People who are stressed out, people who are trying to, you know, like, live like the Joneses, those of you who are, like, you know, multitasking and doing all of these things, it's a little bit harder to tap into the bondus because you're so kind of, um, there's a Yiddish word for klemt. You're like not breathing, you're running around too fast. You're just kind of like not really focusing on the thing that actually can make your life so much easier. Um, does that make sense? So we're going to learn how to have that glow and how to have that bliss and how to light up from the inside out through our breath. Uh, what are some other opposing forces, and I gave you a huge list there, or opposites that we have on the mat or in life? Other than inhale and exhale. On the mat, I often find if I ground down, then I feel uplifted. Ah, root to rise. Yep. So on the mat, we practice a lot of balancing things, right? We practice the good and the bad, the left and the right, the male and the female, which is Shiva Shakti, 
we practice um, the the um, sutra of Shtira Sukha Asana, right? We practice out motion and stillness, or we practice to balance out effort and effortlessness so that we find ease. And that's really a lot about what this dance of the opposites that we learn about with bandhas is all about. We're learning how to support our breathing by making sure we balance out the inhales and the exhales. So in yoga, there are three body locks, and um, the third one is used uh, at uh, more unique times, but the two that we use a lot are the Mula Bandha and the Uddiyana Bandha, which is on your second page. And the third one is Jala Pandara Bandhas. I always think about like, you know, when you have like a little bouncing ball when you were a kid and you watched that show where you learned how to enunciate words. It's Jala Handara. Jala Handara. So we'll say them before each thing that we go through. But when you're balancing out your Shtira Sukha Asanam, you're working on using the least amount of effort to create the maximum amount of results. And that's a huge, huge thing because I think like a lot of you checked in when you were talking about bandhas or what you thought they might be and you're saying that they have something to do with like the chakras or the energy channels. And yes, in some ways they do, but what you're really tapping into is allowing the inhales and the exhales not to be forced, but to be really engaged. So you're not holding on, you're not stressed. You're not pushing too hard or forcing or over-exaggerating. You're just finding this really nice dance of the inhales and the exhales. So let's look at how to harness that pure potentiality of the breath to find harmony in our body-mind connection by looking at the first bandha, which is on the front of the first page, and it's mula bandha. So mula. Good? Mula, by definition, I gave you the uh, definition of the Sanskrit word. Mula means root. And your bandha is that lock or that energetic seal. So your mula, what I love to think about it is like the root of a tree. And trees are huge um, in a imagery in yoga. Um, but the root of your central nervous system is the mula. Anybody ever like like hold on to your brain outside of your body? No. But if you did, what's at the end of it? All these little nerve endings, right? So that's your mula. That's that little root. And when you're breathing deeply and exhaling, you don't really think about stimulating those little uh, nerve endings of your brain, do you? No? You're just like, oh, I'm taking a sigh of relief, or oh, I'm letting go of toxins. But when you're exhaling, you're also stimulating. Um, one of my mentors always says, within the inhale, there's an exhale. And within the exhale, there's an inhale. 
So what is a word that we say all the time to talk about to say to mean our life force? Prana, right? That energy that's within your heart, that uplifting space always has a little bit of an exhale in it, which in Sanskrit is it's the letting go and the dying off process of apana, apan, apana. And that's very similar to the Mula Bandha, and then it's up, uh, opposite the Uddiyana Bandha, the uplifting lock. So when we have this root, and we think about like rooting down and exhaling and letting go, it's actually a little bit of an uplift and an energy of the heart, where you want to kind of find the balance to let go. And then the next little bullet part underneath the mula or the planting of the tree is exhaling, is the um, thing that happens when you tap into your mula bandha. And it's your root lock. Anybody know where your perineum muscle is? Yeah? So that magic spot of the perineum muscle, sometimes you have to explain it to your students as it's a triangular-like diamond at the base of your pelvic floor. So if you all um, would stand up for a second, we are going to tap into our Mula Bandha a couple different ways, but the first way that I always like to kind of do it uh, is, um, is a little bit of like if you were taking um, Pilates, they call this the seed sender. If you are into Eastern philosophy, they call this the Dantian. Have you ever heard of Dantian? Okay, take your index finger and bring it into your belly button. Hello, belly button. Take your three fingers below and bring it below the index finger. Take the index finger out of the belly button and bring it down below those three fingers. So this would be your dantian or your seed center, okay? This would be maybe where your root of your central nervous system is. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to find that perineum muscle by breathing from this little spot that your index finger is at, okay? So if you're queen, your pubic bone, and your king, your tailbone, are going maybe too far in one direction or too far in the other direction and this was a bowl, what would happen to your breath if it was like water? Spill. It would spill out, right? So your queen and your king need to create a kingdom and that's what we call in yoga the diamond path or like you're squeezing a piece of coal to create a diamond by using your seed center, okay? So... In order to make that happen, the king and the queen, in order to create that kingdom, need to be helped by the hips. So that they can meet someplace down here and someplace up here. So when you start breathing from the seed center, you allow the pubic bone and tailbone and the hips to merge together to elevate the perineum muscle. Okay? Has anybody ever practiced Janushri Sasana uh, B? Bleh. No. 
let's all sit down for a second before we do this little bowl exercise. Geometry Sasana A is tree pose on the ground, right? Some of your teachers would like to call it Johnny, because he's your boyfriend. So Johnny C, uh, B is very interesting because you put your heel in your anus. I swear to God, you really do this. We did it in class this week, if you took class with me. You rotate your, let's do our um, right side first. Rotate your right foot up, arch of the foot faces up, and the shoelace side of the foot is gonna go to the ground. You lift up your buns and you sit with your heel in your privates. <laughs> and then you fold forward. So your toes point forward on the right foot and you're folding out over the leg. Now the reason that some people have to do this in the beginning is just to start to get comfortable with themselves because our culture, we're so disconnected, sometimes we just need to feel ourselves. It's like that song in the 80s. <laughs> But it's kind of true. Okay, how many of you are like, oh my god, what's happening here? Toes pointing forward. Right foot, toes point forward. Is it? Oh. Is there some discomfort? Oh uh, yeah. Discomfort just all around. It's odd. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Do they say? Um, and I, you know, like take everything I say with a grain of salt and go do your own research and do your own experience. But for dudes. The entryway of the Mulubanda is a little bit inside of the Cooper, and for girls, it's um, at like the um, cervix. Yeah? And that's kind of where the seed needs to get through to make a little make a baby. Kind of the same thing. Let's try our left leg. Rotate the foot up, toes point forward. You're literally sitting on your heel. This is another way to kind of get those two areas to start to activate. So the pubic bone and the tailbone and the perineum muscles start to lift up. It's a very precarious spot to be. Yeah, it's hard to get your toes to point forward. So your toes on your left foot, because your left knee's forward, your left toes point forward towards your right foot. Yeah, yeah, so see how your toes are pointing back to the back of the room? Point, they have to point forward. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Jhana Sasana C, you take the toes forward and the heel up. We're not going there because that's not what we're talking about right now. But what we're talking about is how do we get that spot to lift up? Because the yoga teacher, you sure as shit are not going to touch someone's private like that, right? Yeah. So, that's one way to find the engagement of the Mulabanda. You're all giving me really weird looks. <laughs> what are we supposed, supposed to be when, when we get into that position and our foot feels there? Inhale, lengthen, exhale, fold. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, fold. Yep. Okay, so that's one way kind of to feel it. Um, let's all stand up again, and now we're going to find a different way to feel the mula banda. So mula's root. Mula is uh, what areas of your um, 
chakras are in this region? Like first, second, right? Okay, and what are they all about? Grounding, safety, right? How many of you have friends who talk to you this week saying that their life is so effed up? And, <laughs> right? How many of your friends feel safe, grounded, steady? Right? Life is totally hunky-dory. So this one's a really huge one because it's like money, finances, love, home, all that stuff. And we're trying to bring people back to the root and ground down and create safe. When we're freaked out, where do we go to? Right? We get stuck in our heads. So this one is one of the hardest ones I think a lot to feel because it's really hard to start to reacquaint yourself with you. Right? Okay, so you have one option, sitting in Janashri Sasana B. Another option is to take and bring your feet frontal hip bone distance apart. We now know that the queen and the king, in order to create a kingdom and start to kind of engage and lift up and tap into that mulabandha, the hips have to help. So there's a little inward spiral of the thighs, and your pubic bone and tailbone are aligned so that you're not spilling your bowl of air out forward or you're not holding in and constipated and stuck, right, in that mind and body. But close your eyes and place your hands in your hips, taking the um, pose of a superhero, and begin to feel a little resiliency in the knees and start to kind of sway your hips from side to side. Now your hands are on your iliac crest, which are the top of your hip bones, and then where your pubic bone and tailbone and hips meet, near the perineum muscle, we're trying to create that diamond path. So visualize in there that you have a little bit of a squeeze, like a like the big O, okay? And you put a little bit of a ball, ball bearing at the base of your bowl. Now you're not gonna go hula hooping about, but that's also a really good way to have your students find their hula banda is to hula hoop. But can you move your hips so that the ball bearing makes little circles but doesn't look like you're moving your hips? Mm -hmm. This is why athletes and high performance uh, sports or uh, professional um, uh, lap dancers are really good at finding their mulabanda. <laughs> Your eyes are closed, so you're not looking at other people because it feels weird as shit. Okay, and now stop moving your lower half and just kind of open your eyes and relax. Did anybody feel something different when they tried to think of moving a ball bearing down there? Yeah. Okay. So that's the engagement of your mula because you have these trampolines in your body. Did you know you have a cervix down here, right? They also say you have a cervix up here. We have three internal body locks and we're trying to get all these trampolines to start to flow. If you didn't feel that, no problem. Don't worry about it, don't judge yourself. This stuff takes time and it takes patience, okay? 
Another way to kind of find the engagement, we have Johnny B, we have the ball bearing exercise. I also like to have people use a block. Let's grab our blocks. Okay. Um. All right. So, one sec. Okay, cool. Skyscraper. Colonial. Right? We all want to get to the penthouse, so the colonial just means that you have your own penthouse. But we're going to take skyscraper and put it in between the legs and squeeze. Okay, just by being in this spot, what feels different in your body by squeezing the block in between your thighs? Ah, mm -hmm. nice. So we work with vortexes of energy, so the thighs actually spiral in because what are these muscles right here? These, yep, the, so the, the the adductors draw inward, the, the um, abductors kind of broaden and open, so your hips open, but your thighs slightly spiral inward. Who felt their king and queen, like, wake up? Yeah, hello, oh, yeah. right? All of a sudden your king and queen are like, oh, now I'm having a conversation instead of a, a monologue. Yeah? Okay, how many of you felt something in your back? Yeah? Okay, how many of you felt something in your shoulders? No? Anybody feel that they got taller? Okay, good. So by giving your students or yourself a block, all of a sudden it started to give a little bit of a zip up, right? Yeah, engage. And how do we cue our students when we're having them, uh, uh, when we learn through our training program how to teach yoga? From the bottom up, right? So if we, if we put a block in between the legs, then all of a sudden your feet felt a little bit more connected. Your inner thighs and your legs started to wake up. It was like you were pulling up a pair of um, your tight yoga pants, right? Or like your hands, uh, you know, like when I practice in um, our sun citation texts or talk about down dog, I always say your hands and your feet are like little suction cups. Did you feel the arches of your feet wake up? Right? So that's what we like to call the arc of intelligence. We have lots of arcs through our body. We have lots of vortexes of energy, you know, chakras and stuff like that. But we're starting to wake everything up, including our spine, just by putting the block in between. Okay, so mula means good, and which um, uh, which lock is it? In out of the three locks we're learning today, which lock is it? First, okay, and it is. Um, allows you to create um, uh, safety in space, right? Because we're working on like our first, second, and third chakra. Okay, so let's sit down for a second. 
On your sheet here, it says that it relates to the Muladhara Chakra. And why do you think that um, starts with the word that it does? Right? Because it's the Mula. The element for this um, bandhas is earth, if anybody's interested in this stuff. And it's talking about tapping into your chakti or your power. I think that's pretty cool. And it uh, is very um, integral in any kundalini or tantric practice um, where you're getting energy to flow freely because it allows you to find firmness and stability. It helps you to concentrate, and it's really calming. Did anybody come in here feeling a little bit wound up, and then all of a sudden, like, um, just by starting to kind of feel or talk about or breathe into that space, you feel a little bit more, kind of, you, you turned the inner critic down a little bit? Yeah? This is uh, one that affects your nervous system, your circulatory system, your respiratory system, because you're really allowing yourself to tap into the root of all, where all energy permeates. This is kind of a silly question, but I wrote it down there. What poses use this lock? It's a trick. Okay. Yeah, you're not making diamonds all day long when you walk around, right? Yeah. Oh, like Shavasana. Yeah, of course. Yeah, any kind of like yin practice or restorative practice, you're not going to be creating this big, intense breath to, uh, uh, to create that internal lock. This is not possible. It's almost like when we do it with the ball bearings. Like, is it like a Kiko? It's not the same as like. Well, it's, it's interesting. Area, that's it's, interesting concept because, in some ways, it is. Yeah, because that's what I felt like that as being a woman, like just that um, I could feel. Not, yeah. I wasn't like exercising. Yeah, I could feel that space. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. A lot of times, if women um, have had kids, how many mm -hmm. people have had kids, right? So, like, they'll tell you to get a yoni ball, mm -hmm. or they'll tell you to take like Pilates. If you don't like know what a yogi yoni ball is, go to Spitten Kitten. <laughs> um, I've told clients to use Benoit balls. Ben, anybody know what those are? Go to Smitten Kid. Um, but yeah, it's just that there. It just seems like everything is silent. That silent that you can identify. Some teachers do cue. Let bring. Let lift the elevator. It's just going to depend on you as a student teacher. What are the words that resonate with you and what you want to kind of teach and how you want to teach it? For me, I like more of like the energy and the elements and kind of like having people find it through the breath. As I said at the end of class, you're going to do this um, breath work practice that'll like maybe make you feel um, it in a different way, laying down. It's just a visualization. So 
Um, but there's all kinds of different paths, and that's why I'm not just showing you one path. I want you to find what feels best for you as a teacher. Okay. Um, uh, there is also one that um, is kind of interesting. Does anybody not like hands-on adjustments? No? Okay, so another one that's kind of interesting that you can do is in Downward Facing Dog, you take and you, has anybody ever done a Nauli Kriya? Oh, you guys, I love this. What? Yeah. Okay, so this next one is moving towards Uddiyana Bandha. So let's take and switch and flip your page over. So they say that Shakti, she lives at the base of the spine, and Shiva, he lives at the crown of your head. So when you're in a downward-facing dog, you're literally in a forward fold, engaging your parasympathetic nervous system. You're um, allowing yourself to create natural traction, but they're saying that you're kind of re-energizing in your dogs or any forward fold. And one of the interesting things um, to adjust in this pose and we can do it with our blocks versus what I would do if I came around in downward facing dog is very similar to Nauli Kriya where you are hollowing out the belly and allowing the diaphragm to kind of tuck up or create space underneath your rib cage, moving all of the internal organs about, okay? So um, when you're doing this, down dog adjustment, and we'll do it with a block so that you'll feel kind of what it feels like. You're literally doing the same thing as a Nauli Kriya, where you exhale all the air out, and then you inhale, you exhale all the air out, and then you inhale, and everything comes in. I just had lunch, so. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, so all the air goes out, and then you inhale. You see it. <laughs> okay, you're going to try it now. You're just holding the inhale. Let's try it the first time with the block. So grab your block. You have to kind of like move everything about as your head hangs down. Okay? Thank you. Feel anything here? Yeah. It doesn't feel good. It's kind of pressing into your ribs. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's just one way. If, if you were in a downward-facing dog, literally what you would be doing, you would stand behind your student appropriately, right? You would take your hands, and you would literally pull them 
and you would literally, your hands would end up a little bit below the ribs and you would pull everything back. So you're hollowing everything out, okay? You're gonna, now you tried it with the block. Now we're gonna try it, okay? We're gonna exhale, we're gonna stand up and do this to ourselves. It's a variation of a Navali Kriya, but it's really cool because it gets you to kind of feel the Uddiyana Bandha. Uddiyana means upward lifting, upward facing. So you exhale all the air out, all the air out, all the air out, don't do it yet. And then you inhale without breathing air in. You inhale, so watch what's gonna happen. I hold it, hold it, hold it as long as I can. And when I can't hold it any longer, and I'm like ready to pass out, I inhale and I go. And then I exhale. Okay? So you exhale all the air out. You're not inhaling, but you're tucking everything in and up. And you hold it. And you hold it, you hold it, you hold it, you hold it, you hold it. And you're holding your breath and you're gonna pass out and you're like, oh my God, I can't stand it anymore. And then you're gonna inhale even more and you're gonna open your arms up wide. And then you're gonna exhale. Okay? Do you actually inhale when you are rising up? I mean, you're you gonna inhale through your nose, but you still are you still have been holding your breath and you're not gonna um you're yeah. Yeah, you make that funny noise through your nose. Okay? Yeah, you'll feel it. We'll try it a couple times. Yep. So air's not actually going in your nose, you just... You are, yeah. No, when you're holding, you're holding. Yeah. Okay, ready? So you're on your squatty potty. Your hands are on your knees. Your shoulders are back. Let all the air out. Inhale, breathe in. Exhale, let all the air out. Now keep all the air out and suck your belly in and up. Hollow out your belly. You're still not breathing. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. You've got it, hold it. And now breathe in through the nose. Exhale. <laughs> Anybody feel a snap? No? Anybody feel anything? You have to mic that. Yeah, pops, you felt the snap? I felt a head rush. Okay, head rush is okay. Yeah, oh good, yeah, yeah. This is all standard stuff, right? This is all good ladies. Why do you think we do breath of fire? Have you done that one before? Why do you think we do breath of fire? Is it a detoxing or cleansing? It's a detoxing, it's a cleansing, but it's actually teaching us how to get our diaphragm to wake back up again. Because most of us aren't diaphragmatic breathers, we're chest breathers. Most people only breathe about 30 to 40% of their breathing capacity. Right? Who, who coughs? Someone cough. I have asthma. Right? So it makes me cough, right? Um, how many people felt their sternum release? How many people have ever had their diaphragm adjusted by an osteopath, right? It's kind of like a self-adjustment for your diaphragm, what we're doing here. You exhale all the air out, all the air out, all the air out, all the air out, and then you just hold your breath, but you tuck everything in and up, 
You're still holding your breath. You're still holding your breath. And then when you open your arms up and you inhale through the nose, you're still sipping in air, so you haven't exhaled yet. And then you exhale and let everything go. Want to try it again? Okay. So this time, um, you can find your own rhythm. I'll do it with you, okay? And um, so that means I won't talk. This makes me burp. Excuse me. Okay. So um, take a good breath of air in. Let all the air out. And then go for it. You can say it. I'm still a little nervous. I mean, I can feel my stomach going up and yeah. down. The orifice is bigger. A release? <laughs> or just like um, spaciousness? Energy? You still what? You exhale, right? Exhale all the air out, and you're still exhaling, and all you're doing is sucking your belly in and out. Then suck it in, but you don't get it. Correct. You're okay. still holding. And then, and then you hold it still as long as you can. And then with your next inhale, you try and get the diaphragm to like kind of lift up even more. And then let go. I'm still feeling really panicky when I'm not breathing. Yeah, right? Right? Because we're practicing moment-to-moment -moment awareness, and then all of a sudden, like, things trigger us, or that it could be, like, really anxious. Um, and what we're trying to do is kind of like um, be comfortable in that space, but if you're not comfortable, don't force anything that doesn't feel good. Yeah? Does that, is it a toning of the nervous system to mm -hmm. do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I found the second time it was easier to hold it longer. Good, yeah. And you can play around with it, and, and this isn't a Kriya class, right? But if you start to, to study some of the Kriyas and some of the cleansing practices, it's pretty amazing what you can do with this as you start moving your abdominal walls around and stuff. What I wanted you to feel is how interesting your diaphragm is. What happens when you inhale? Goes opposite. It goes down, pushes everything out. What happens when you exhale? It goes up, right? Your lungs cradle your heart, but your diaphragm massages all of your internal organs and it attaches to your T12. And it really moves and is the thing that functions to keep you clean and healthy from the inside out. So if you are stressed out and you're only breathing 40% of the breathing capacity and your diaphragm isn't moving, your body's not going to find homeostasis. There is a saying in one of the um, books, you know, one of the ancient texts of yoga, that your body finds homeostasis when you breathe properly. You would never have to do a sit-up. You would never have to work out. You would never have to, you know, worry about what you eat. 
because you are using your breath to keep yourself balanced and steady. Okay? Interesting, yes? So, um, Udiana. Let's all say that out loud. Udiana. All right, that's your flying up on us, your internal body lock. It means flying up, it's the stomach lock, and your stomach is also sometimes called your, it's in the sky today, sun, solar plexus, right? So it activates and affects the navel center. Um, your stomach moves inward. It engages your transverse abdominal wall, uh, walls to move in and up, right, transverse. And um, your psoas muscle and your solar plexus region are all engaged by this. Now your psoas muscle is an interesting muscle group and this is not a class on anatomy or anything like that, but your psoas muscle gets very close to having the same attachment space as where your diaphragm attaches. It attaches near the thoracic cavity and then wraps in front of you and down to your pubic bone. So our psoas muscle really is a big part of this diaphragmatic breathing. It, it is part of that same family of breathing. And the psoas muscle is the thing that helps us so that, and I'm wearing jeans, so that I can lift my leg up and reach my arm out because of, I'm you know, really using more of my psoas muscle. A lot of people say like I'm doing a crescent lunge and it's affecting my hip flexor, but it's actually stretching psoas and different things like that. And that's all engaged in breathing, okay? Um, the, the, um, the breath that we're doing draws prana out of its foundation and it directs the prana upward. Prana moves in our body upward, like springtime, it blossoms, it flourishes, and our opposite of prana is apana, and where does it go? Downward, letting go, dying off, releasing. And these two are the dance of the opposites. Mula Bandha, Uddiyana Bandha, they dance together, but they also live within each other, right? As I said, the, the, the prana lives within the apana, and the apana lives within the prana, because they dance together. There's always a little bit of each other within each other. I don't that wasn't yeah. grammatically correct, but... Um, our element for this one is air, and that's an easy way to remember because it's all about uplifting. I always want to think like you're moving this cute little thing on your trampoline in your body. And the energy of it is the anahata chakra in the middle of the rib cage. And anahata is your right heart. And we say that prana lives within your heart. Uh, it gives one lightness. It helps you to overcome the force of gravity. And the uh, question of which poses it is used in is kind of a joke because that was also a test too. But it works really well if you have an understanding of Uddiyana Bandha. This is why arm balances and all of that other stuff are so easy to do. Because you are really able to dance with the prana and the apana. You're able to really use the diaphragm to help 
you flip perspectives in your inversion practices. So if someone was a gymnast when they were younger and came to yoga, they're going to be able to do this stuff easily because they already know how to engage their diaphragm and practice bandhas even though they don't know what the bandhas are, right? And athletes or runners, they have a really good sense of awareness and will be able to take flight and inversion practices because they are, can control their bandhas pretty well. Yeah. And uh, so this, what does Uriyana mean? Yeah, flying upward. Um, what element is it? Air. Air. And um, where does that um, Uriyana kind of live? In your heart. Because it's all about? Prana. Cool. Um, if the Mula Banda gives you um, kind of like that exhaling and that um, kind of uh, rooting down, right, because that element is earth, then what does the Uriyana Banda give you? Upward energy, lightness, right? Good. And these two dance together like a battery, positive and negative, good and bad. But if one of them is leading, right, then this comes like your yoga therapy stuff. If one of them is in control, then what happens is maybe you become too kapha or lethargic or kind of like, Bleh. but who feels more invigorated after just doing that silly little breathing thing? Right. So all of a sudden, we've gotten Udiyana Banda to create energy and stimulate and open more awareness and kind of trigger that vitality, right? And when they work together, back and forth, like the infinite loop, magic. That's that effortless effort. When the two of them dance together. Because we don't often do the next one that we're going to talk about is the Jal, Jala Handara. So let's try it. Jala. All right, Jala Handara. So it means your throat lock. And um, a lot of times people say this is the kumbhaka. Have you ever heard that word before? This is where I go. Have you guys had your breath ratio tech yet? Okay. Um, so kumba means pot. We, as humans, as we are energy, right? But we are also just vessels. Am I tripping anybody out? Okay. But we're just a pop. So we're a kumba. So when you start playing around with breath ratios to heal your body, right? Because you don't need to do the physical asanas if you really practice the breath. Then you can heal your body just by doing breath work practices. They have an inhale and an exhale, and then there's space between, right? They call that the kumba, right? So we have an inhale, space, exhale, space. Inhale, space, and it kind of goes around like a circle. That space between is the kumbhaka. Okay, so a lot of times the Jalaharandara, uh, uh, 
um, is all about the kumbhaka. It aligns and frees the neck and the cranial nerves. It is related to the anja chakra. What's the anja chakra? Yeah? Like the insight, right? That joyful insight that comes from practice, your bliss body. Um, some people called me quirky recently, and it just like triggered me. But then when I looked it up, it said that you have insight and that you have a sixth sense. So I was like, okay, I can be that. But um, the idea of um, the Anja Chakra is all about kind of trans, you know, kind of breaking through all space and time, right? Where you have that insight and you kind of have, um, just like Anjali Mudra, things kind of fall in to ease and alignment. The element is ether. And this is the best way for me to teach you how to find it. Um, are you all wearing socks today? Okay. <laughs> okay, if you don't have a sock, I'll show you two other ways to do it. So you can do this with a tennis ball. You can do this with a, um, no, if anybody didn't wear socks today, you can use a, um, a strap. So we'll pass this around if anybody needs it, but grab your socks if you don't have it. Okay, everybody's good. Supposedly Jalhandara Bandhas. Um, you're using this Bandhas to kind of um, create space um, and it helps your neck and shoulders. But a lot of times people say it's only really used like in a plow pose or rabbit pose or giving birth, that kind of stuff. It's not sometimes something that we often do. If you're doing breath practices, the teacher, if you're doing a kumbhaka practice, you would inhale, hold it, and then you would exhale. So it would be incorporated into a breath work practice. Um, we're not diving that deep into it today. You either take a tennis ball, your socks rolled up, or a yoga strap rolled up, coiled up, and you take and you allow your chin to lower safely onto your chest. And this is an interesting thing, because how many of the people in this room have ever had whiplash? Oh, that's pretty impressive. Okay, a lot of people come to your class with like whiplash or some kind of neck injury or tight shoulders from working on the computer. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the sternum to rise up 
and the chin to come forward without creating shoulder impingement, okay, or neck impingement. So you take your little ball or you take your strap or your tennis ball and you inhale and you put it right, at the, uh, right in front of the throat at that little divot and you inhale, lift your chest and as you exhale, draw your chin over toward and you press and then you plug your shoulders back down as your chin is aiming towards the chest and the chest is aiming towards your chin, touch your tongue to the hard palate and smile. Don't use your hands though. Then you can release whenever you want to. <coughs> this element is ether. This element is more spacious. Did anybody feel more spacious? Anybody's neck feel like something released? Lighter. It's a little uh, adjustment, yeah. Are you supposed to be pushing more into the object or just holding it lightly so it stays there? So in a perfect world, you don't need the object. And you inhale, lift up, exhale. So you're trying to create a little bit of a damming off. Yeah. And while you're in it, when you get in, do you breathe, just keep breathing or you hold it next day? You're holding. Yeah. How many of you used to go to Convention Grill and get really yummy chocolate malts with bananas in it? <laughs> right? Anybody? No? Do you ever go to your favorite like place and get a shake and it gets chunky and you try and sip up through the straw and you're like... And you can't get it up. That's what happens to our bodies when we F it up with our mind, right? Or that's what happens to our bodies when we get out of whack or disconnected. So that means that our Shashumna Nadi and our Ida and our Pingala can't flow freely. It's stuck. It's trapped. So part of that Jalhandara Bandhas is just like um, when we were doing the little um, Naoli Kriya or um, when we're doing, uh, really focusing on finding different ways to connect to the bandhas today, is we're kind of clearing the passageways, right? So your um, positive and the negatives that charge your battery, your inhales and your exhales, your mula bandha and your uddiyana bandha are this continuous flow. But when you tap into the jalhandara bandha, it's a little bit of a holding, right? So you inhale, you breathe in, you exhale, you find your body lock, you hold it, and then your inhale, you release and let go, and you should feel like a flushing out, like you just flushed the toilet. Does that kind of make sense? So what, um, what element does this bandas uh, reflect? ether, and what um, energetic chakra does it relate to? Okay, and um, do, uh, has anybody ever had a cranial sacral massage? 
It's supposed to be very similar to that where it just kind of releases and it realigns um, the, and shifts the, the, the head back into alignment. Yeah, the bones of your skull. So we're working to control our energy and our breath. It allows the subtle energy to flow. And in a lot of ways, you are balancing out so that you can um, use the least amount of effort to create the maximum amount of results in your experiences on your day-to-day. -day. Sound good? Mm -hmm. The last little exercise that we're going to do, I have you for 10 more minutes, is we're going, I'm going to read something to you so that you can feel kind of what this feels like from a more relaxed state of being, okay? Remember that space three fingers below the belly button, your dantian, your seed center, okay? What you're gonna feel is, what does the word sutra from the yoga sutras mean? So sutra means thread or sewing together or like weaving together, right? So to me, this is very similar to like a practice on sewing. When we breathe, what we're going to do is we're going to feel a breath, three fingers below the belly button, pulling back our belly button to our spine. But then with that engagement... We're going to inhale and pull the little string up to the top of our head. And then with our exhale, we're going to push the belly button, which is already kind of in, back further. And then your inhale again is going to pull up. So this is very much more of an engaged practice than if I was asking you to just do a three-part breath, right? A three-part breath, you're breathing belly, lungs, and ribs, ribs, lungs, and belly, and it's a little bit more passive. It's a little bit more of just kind of starting you to become aware of your axial trunk, okay? This one's going to be a little bit more engaged. So before we do this, I want you to practice taking out the garbage. Are you ready to learn how to take out the garbage? Okay. So we'll start off standing before we lay down. We're going to take and draw your hands to your ribcage. As your hands come to your ribcage, kind of hold them so the thumbs reach back and the fingers are forward. Some of you might want to hold on from underneath. It just depends on what feels good. But exhale all the air out of your body. Good. Inhale, breathe in, and visualize that your lungs and your ribs are the garbage. Lift them up. Good, exhale, stitch your ribs together. Inhale, lift up the garbage. Exhale, stitch the ribs together. Good, inhale, lift up the garbage. 
Exhale, stitch your ribs together. Inhale, lift up the garbage. Exhale, stitch the ribs together. And release. And what did you notice about visualizing your lungs like you're lifting up the heavy garbage to take it out? More active movement. Um, did you kind of sense how you kind of broadened and expanded and then when you exhaled, when you were kind of like mushing your ribs together, you could really feel the compression to release the toxins? That's very, very much so what you're trying to do when you're getting the Mula Bandha and Uddiyana Bandha to engage together. There is an uplifting and a spacious sensation, but then with your exhale, it's just as active and cathartic. It's a really engaged practice. It's interesting because um, Udi, um, when you are practicing Ujjayi Pranayama, right, it's the victorious breath, right? And it's kind of a little bit louder. They, in some schools of thought, they want you to be super loud, but the idea of the, the, that breathing exercise is to get you to feel exactly what we were just feeling. The inhale is broadening and spacious, and the exhale is like that letting go and stitching together. So we inhale and we breathe in. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Good. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, let's lay on back. So when I think of Ujjayi Pranayama, a lot of people say like, well, when you're doing that breathing exercise to engage the dance of the opposites, to engage the uh, Mula Bandha and the Uddiyana Bandha, you need to sound like Darth Vader, you need to snore um, a little bit. And I don't always think that that's the case. I think the most important thing about your breathing is that you're breathing properly so that you can engage your... Um, systems in your body, your nervous system, your circulatory system, your respiratory system, you know, you will really want to get your endocrine system engaged in the practice so that you have the proper way to release toxins and to bring in the goodness and the lightness and the harmony. So as you uh, lay down and you focus and you find yourself relaxing, we're going to move into this next kind of example of tapping into the bandhas. From an anatomical viewpoint, these two bandhas that we're going to work on support your breathing. Um, and as you try it, give yourself an opportunity to realize and to create space for the fact that this is a combined effect. <coughs> We're firming our torso, we're lengthening our spinal column, and we're creating room for movement, when we, especially during a vinyasa practice. Give yourself an opportunity to allow the subtle energy to flow, and then in turn, 
these bandhas can really help you to transform. As you lie completely relaxed on the floor, your eyes are shut, and you're just breathing calmly in and out through the nostrils. Take one hand to your navel, that dantian, that seed center, your solar plexus. And feel how your abdomen rises with each inhale and falls with the exhale. What you're actually feeling is the action of your diaphragm, which contracts under the ribcage during inhalation, thereby pushing the abdominal organs forward. With your next exhalation, activate Mulabandha, and then we're going to engage Uddiyana Bandha with the following inhale. So the stomach can no longer rise up, but the diaphragm is contracting like before. The diaphragm presses against the abdominal organs that are being supported in front by Uddiyana Bandha and from below, from Mula Bandha. As a result of this support of the abdominal organs during inhalation, the diaphragm lifts the ribcage. These two bandhas are inseparably connected because they firmly support breathing. But we want to get them to find each other again because they might have lost their way. Your eyes are shut. And your abdomen and your diaphragm are moving with the breath. Take a really good inhale. And with the next exhale, activate the mulabandha as if it's stitching back towards the belly button. Keeping that engagement, inhale Uddiyana Bandha, pulling the string of energy up along the spine. The stomach no longer rises up, but the diaphragm is contracted. When you exhale, engage Mula Bandha, stitching the breath towards the spinal column. Inhale, pull up the breath along the spine to the crown of the head. And with your exhale, belly presses the spine. Keep this engagement and follow the line of energy up the spinal column, inhaling. Exhale, belly button presses back towards the spine. Inhale, engage the diaphragm as you pull that beautiful breath up along the spinal column. Exhale, let all the air out. Belly stitches to the earth. Inhale, pull the breath up along the spine to the crown of your head. Exhale, belly presses towards the earth. Inhale, broaden the ribcage, lift the breath up as high as it'll go. Exhale, pull the belly 
towards the floor as you engage the root. Inhale, breathe in, sip up the breath like you're sipping through a straw. Exhale, belly reaches towards the floor, engaging your mula bandha. Inhale, sip up the energy, pulling it up and up and up so that as you exhale, you can press the belly again towards the spine. Inhale, feel the support as these two bandhas are inseparably connected. Supporting the breathing, creating space, allowing the subtle energy to flow. Inhaling and exhaling. <coughs> Feel your body relaxed and calm, but also feel how you are truly breathing, strong and confident. Your amazing human machine, all of those 200 billion neurons, trillions of synaptic cells, active engaged and present. Feel the awareness and feel yourself softening. Notice the effortless effort. You're not clinging. You're not resisting. You're just observing. Feeling your body unified and whole. Begin to caress your thumbs against the fingertips and wiggle out your toes. And reach your arms back behind you in a beautiful line of freedom. And then roll towards the right side as your knees come to your chest, just curling up into a fetal position. Guide yourself up to a seated space. Your inhales and your exhales are pretty cool because they offer you power 
to just feed your superhuman machine to allow us to live a more healthy, sacred, graceful life. Hopefully you gained a little bit more understanding about the dance of the opposites of your bandhas, your mula, your root, and your udiana, that flying up energy, offer you what is a great word in Sanskrit, um, moksha, freedom. And take this freedom with you as you travel out into the universe today. You all are pretty super amazing, bright people. Keep shining like a lighthouse. Have a really, really good rest of your Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. So